Well, guys, like I said, our, uh, you know, I let my kids um, direct, you know, this this service, you know, let them pick the songs. And man, what good songs y'all picked. Thank y'all. And Lifeline, man, thank y'all just for singing, for lifting our voices, man. I just, I want to do just more of that, man. Just real simple stuff. But we come in here and just let our voices rise, man, because I think that's just the most powerful thing. And, um, you know, my, my original intention, you know, before I remembered that the kids weren't going back till next week, so remember that as far as announcements too, that next week C40 fires back up, Nellie gets to, to do her thing. But I was originally going to come up here and talk about uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, you know, every January has kind of become my, my fasting month. You know, next week I'll tell you how kind of that all came about and what it's done you know, for me and for my life, uh, you know, we started um, on Wednesday. You know, Wednesday, I was like, good to go. Like, man, I got this fasting stuff, you know, whipped, you know. And then day two, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and uh, just thought I was going to die, you know. I'm like, Lord, Lord, I just get he's just got to look up there and just grin, you know. Like, you eat all that garbage throughout the year and you think that, you know, so, oh, well. Different story, different sermon. Um, but I did, I, I told my kids, I said, well, you know, what do you want, what do you want me to talk about? You know, cause, cause Caroline says, you know, you talk over our heads, you know, and that kind of stuff. And she said, well, read one of the stories. And I said, well, there's a whole box of them in there. We bought all of them. So go in there and read them. And she read about four or five before she came across this one and said, this is the one daddy, you got to preach, um, this one. So the title of the story is Dugout Days, and uh, the Aunt Carolyn collection, you know, she's got about 40 of these things, and, you know, if you buy it, I mean, it's, it's like 180 I mean, it's, it's up there, you know, like $6 a piece or something. Um, but each story, man, is just packed with the Word and packed with, with the Gospel, and it teaches you just such a, such a good lesson. So without further ado, remember, this is for the kids, and I'll make a little application to it after this, but... Uh, we're going to start the story of dugout days for this first sermon of uh, 2016. All right. Hot dogs, apple pie, and baseball. And bubble gum. Don't forget the bubble gum. That was every red-blooded boy's dream. Well, if it weren't every boy's dream, it surely was Muggsy's dream. Oh, sometimes his music seemed to get in the way. Sometimes he'd rather play ball than practice piano. But at those times, Mother seemed to offer her advice at the right moment. When it was piano practice time, she insisted he do it and stick to it until it was completed. First things first. When it was baseball practice time, she insisted he be there. If you want to belong to a team, you must accept the responsibility that goes with it. And do your best. Muggsy really tried to do his best, but his best did not seem to be good enough. He could pitch, but Buzz Parks could pitch better. He could catch, but Steve Mars could catch better. He could play a decent outfield, but Barfy Thomas rolled him for center field almost every game. It seemed the only place open to Muggsy was where nobody else showed up to play. Sometimes Muggsy felt like throwing in his glove and letting the bat boy just have it. He was very excited when spring sign-up time arrived. The coach took the boys on with a real vengeance. He intended to make them into a top team. 
He was tough. He would bark and shout, and they knew they had to hustle. You have to think, he insisted. Stay awake. Get your head in the game. Yet with all his toughness, he took time to teach and explain the plays and strategy. And the boys knew he was fair. Little by little, the socks came together. And 15 boys learned to think and act as a team instead of every man for himself. Coach said that they might play respectable ball one day if they'll just keep working. Muggsy did work. He worked hard. But sometimes he seemed to lapse into space. Like the evening when the stands were full of parents and fans. The game was close and tension filled the air. The Sox needed a run to take the lead. With two outs, it looked as if the Sox might get the break they needed. When it was his turn to bat, Muggsy drew a walk and got on base. A couple of other batters brought him around to third. Now if he could just get home. Steve was a pretty good batter, but he was not home run material. There was no hope for a free ride. Muggsy felt as if every eye was watching him. Oh, he would never make it. Coach barked from behind third base. Steve will bunt, Muggs. Now when he hits it, you run. Dig, dig hard. Muggsy waited breathlessly for the pitch. At last, the pitcher fired his missile. Steve lowered his bat for the bunt, but missed, and the ball crossed the plate. Muggs was already running, and the catcher saw him coming. Get back! Get back! The coach hollered. Muggs made a quick reverse, but he had gone too far. The catcher slammed the tag on him. Out! bellowed the umpire. The home crowd moaned, and the coach blared at Muggsy. Can't you stay awake, lunkhead? You really blew it. Thumbs down, somebody yelled. Bench him, coach, bench him, they hollered. Bench him, he did, for the rest of the game. The Sox never pulled the game out, and it was another loss for the season. That was the way the season went. Muggsy practiced long and hard. Coach even said he showed real improvement. But when the count was down, when the game was tight, he just could not seem to come through. The day they were to play the Blue Streaks from River City, Muggsy was quiet all morning. Instead of his usual runs around the yard and phantom base sliding, he was quiet. He stayed in the house. He dawdled at the piano. He dawdled dawdled at his lunch. The clock kept ticking toward game time, and Muggsy somehow hoped for a reprieve. Maybe it'll rain, he thought. But the sun's bold rays offered little hope for that. Maybe I could play sick. Muggsy muttered to himself, but he knew that was no good. Lying was wrong, and it would only make matters worse. Maybe I could just miss today. Maybe I could just say I didn't want to play today. That idea was no good either. He was expected to be there. It was his responsibility as part of the team. Muggs quietly stole off to his room. He sat slumped on the side of his bed, slapping his ball glove on his knee, each slap harder than the one before, till it burned his leg. Hey, What's this? A voice inside seemed to say. Muggsy argued with himself. You know what it is, you dummy. You know you can't play ball. You'll just go out there and ruin another game. You'll just... Mother's voice interrupted from downstairs. You better come on, Muggsy. You can't be late for your game. Yes, ma'am, he called. He grabbed his cap, stuffed a couple pieces of bubble gum in his mouth and some extra in his pocket, headed for the door. Suddenly, he stopped 
turned around, fell to his knees beside his bed. Tears filled his eyes as he prayed from the depths of his heart. Dear Lord, I know this is only a ball game, but I am your child. And I'm supposed to do everything for you and your glory. How can I, Lord? I always botch things up. I have to go now, Lord, but somehow I pray you will help me to play well and somehow help it to be for your glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. He grabbed his glove and cap, raked the tears out of his eyes with his sleeve, and ran out to his bike. The first inning of the game went pretty well. Nothing spectacular, but the Sox were holding their own. When Muggsy came to bat, his heart was in his throat. It seemed as if the pitcher was going after him with a vengeance. Strike one! The call shattered Muggsy's ears. But he got his footing again, clenched the bat, and got ready for the next pitch. Ball one! Ball two! Strike two! Ball three! Oh, no. A full count. Come on, Muggs, do something. Once more, Muggs straightened his stance and got ready. Next picture. The pitch came hot and heavy. Crack! Muggsy's bat resounded with the impact of the ball. A base hit. The crowd cheered. The base coach gave him a swat of praise on the seat of the britches. And as he tagged first... Now, if only he could get home, if only he could score. One play at a time, Muggs, one play at a time, the inner voice warned. The batters drove him around, and at last, Muggsy slid across home plate in a cloud of dust and a thunder of applause. Great, Muggsy, great, yelled the coach. And so the game went. By the bottom of the sixth inning, the score was so close and the game so tight that Muggsy's stomach was all in knots. The batter ahead of him hit a keen double right past the shortstop. It was a beautiful hit. Now they had a man on second and third. The perfect chance to bring in a run. Maybe two. Muggsy stepped to the plate. Dug his toe into the dirt. Loosened his swing. One last glance to the coach confirmed the bunt signal. And Muggsy got ready. He tried. Really, he did. But his move to lay down the bunt went sour. Instead, he hit a perfect infield fly. The shortstop nabbed it with a smug grin on his face. Out! bellowed the ump with a pull of his fist. Not only was Muggsy out, but the inning ended with a man dead on second and third base. The dugout went crazy. Muggs, what's the matter with you? Boy, what a dope. What's your batting average, Muggs? Zero? No, it's not zero, Muggs reported hotly. Then he thought again and answered in a quiet voice, No, it's not zero, but I'm sorry I let you guys down. Ah, sit down, Muggs, Chip said. Nobody ever batted a thousand. The Sox finally won, but it did not help Muggs' feelings much after the guys had ridiculed him so. But he smiled, slapped his buddies on the back, and tossed off a good game, good game call. Walking back to his bike to head for home, Muggs felt a pull on his sleeve. Wait a minute, Muggs, wait up. It was Chip, shortstop and number three batter for the Sox. As the boys reached their bikes, Chip asked, Are you in a hurry? 
No, I reckon not. I just can't be late and make mom worry. Why? What's up? Oh, nothing, replied Chip. I just thought you played a really good game today. Good, Muxie exclaimed. Everyone nearly clobbered me from my last out. That bunning air. I know, but that's not what I'm talking about. When everyone got against you, you took it without getting mad, kicking dirt, or talking ugly. How come? The other guys, even myself, we really unload when we get downed on like that. How can you keep control? Muggs was stunned. He hardly knew how to answer. Well, I'm sure I ought to do a lot better. But, well, you see, I'm a Christian. And having the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior makes all the difference. Oh, replied Chip dully. You mean you got some kind of religion? No, no, Muggs answered. Not religion, just new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? I guess I just don't understand that kind of talk. Chip looked puzzled. That's okay, and I'm not sure I can explain it very well. He paused thoughtfully. Well, it's like being on a great baseball team. Hey, breathed Chip with relief. Now you're talking. Right, Muggs continued. Only God runs his, this team and, and makes all the rules. He ruled that you have, to be, have, you have to have a perfect record to get on his team. You have to bat a thousand. Oh, come on, Muggs, Chip shrugged. Nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand. I know, nobody's perfect. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. Yet God says that no one can enter heaven with, with any sin. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles or whatsoever works an abomination or makes a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, you got to get on God's roster. Well, you surely got me stumped, puzzled Chip. I mean, I just joined our ball team. Is that what you mean? No. Being saved is not like join, joining a ball team or a church or, or signing a decision card or being baptized. Being saved is realizing that you are a sinner, confessing that to God, and turning from your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died to pay for your sins. He batted a thousand. He's perfect. And so when you accept him as your savior, he forgives your sins and blots them all out. He covers your bad, sinful record with his pure, perfect one. Then when God looks at your record, he sees it perfect in Christ. No blots, no sins, no errors. Chip could hardly take it all in. But as the boys walked their bikes through the park toward home, they walked together. Muggsy prayed that God would give him, would help him to know what to say. After a spell of silence, Chip spoke abruptly. But I don't see what all that has to do with what I asked you. What makes you different from other guys? Well, Muggs answered quietly, when you accept Christ as your Savior, he changes your life. The Holy Spirit lives within to help you do what's right. You learn to play the game of life God's way instead of your way. Now that's some ball game, Chip mused. Yes, sir. Then after you join God's team by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like running the bases. You are kidding me. Chip wondered how far this would go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not kidding. Uh, Muggsy fumbled. He, he stopped his bike, picked up a stick, and sketched a baseball diamond on the ground. See, it's like this. If you have joined God's team, you might say that first base is studying the Word of God. 
The Bible is God's official rule book. You, ha- you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you God's rules so that you can understand what God wants you to do. Say, now that is great, Chip responded. It would not be too hard to be a Christian if you knew what you were supposed to do. He obviously doesn't know yet. Muggsy continued. And then you go on to second base. You pray every day. You talk to God. Tell Him your problems and needs. Ask Him His help and advice. Well, it it would not be bad to be a Christian if you knew you would have God's help to do right. Chip scratched his head, but but what about third base? Muggs thoughtfully followed the baseline with his stick, the third base on his dirt diagram. As you learn to know and love the Lord through his word and prayer, you will want to tell others about him. You are his witness. As you run the bases in the Christian life, you may not always run just as the coach said in the rule book, but he does not kick you off the team. He may bench you for a while or in some other way show you that you can't play by your own rules. He'll help you, but no matter on what base or where you are on the field, the main thing is to keep your eyes on our coach, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pay attention to him, not on the action of the crowd around you, and surely not the opposing team's coach. The devil will do all he can to distract and destroy you. Jesus will keep you in his way if you will keep your eyes on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, says Hebrews 12, 2. Muggsy was quiet a minute, and then he said, Then someday in God's time, you can go on to home base and be with him forever in heaven. And all that is offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Chip pushed his back in silence a while, then mumbled, That sounds like a mighty big contract God offers, but it, it surely sounds like a good one. It is, Chip. It is, Muggsy agreed. And you can sign on today if you want to. Soon, two bikes were parked against the tree in the park, and the boys were standing with their heads bowed as Chip confessed his sin to God and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. When they opened their eyes and looked up, the boys gave each other a questioning glance. Suddenly, a huge smile broke across each face, and they gave each other a high five. Wow, Chip exclaimed. How do you like that, Muggsy? Now I'm on God's team. Wow, Muggsy replied. He hardly knew what to say. Winning the ball game was great, but seeing his friend accept Christ was a heap better. The day that he had dreaded so badly, it turned out to be one of the best days of his life. Thrilled, Muggsy poked his tongue into his bubble gum and with a perfect puff produced a giant bubble about as big as Mammoth Cave. The boys leaped on their bikes and dashed for home. They would tell Mom. They would tell Buzz and Steve. Oh, who knew all that they would tell? But first, they would find a cookie jar and a quart of milk because this was a day worth celebrating. And it will be a day worth celebrating for you, too, if you will receive Christ as your Savior. Like Muggsy and Chip, you are a sinner by birth and by action. You need to be saved. But you cannot save yourself. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Come to Christ today. Now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. How do you like that? (laughs) So guys, as I was 
pondering this story, and I do love, love this story. It was really, really good. I'm really entertained. You know, so um, I, I thought about one verse of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. You know, lest we ever think it's through our actions, through it's what we do or how good we are or how good we can be or the, you know, the aura that we put on around us. It's not anything we do. By grace, you have been saved. It's by Him and His work alone that you've been saved through faith. And that little faith word is what I kind of want to bring down to a, uh, you know, to give a good explanation of it today or the best I can anyway. And it's not of yourself, it's a gift from God. As we just get through celebrating Christmas, you know, we celebrated that man that God gave his best gift, his only son, whoever believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. So it's this through faith. You know, Chip got saved, you know, in the story through Muggsy's faith, you know, and he was just starting, he was just starting out on faith. And faith has Three parts. I've come to realize, you know, through all the stuff that I study and the people that I listen to and, and, you know, the people that I read, that faith has three parts. There's knowledge, there's belief, and there's trust, okay? And so the first part is knowledge. You know, and this is why I chose to do this today. You know, the Old Testament says you should talk to your children about the Lord. When you wake up, when you're walking along the path, you know, I guess for us it would say when you're driving in the car, we should talk about the Lord. When we go to sleep at night, you know, talk about the Lord. This should always be us talking to Him, and this feeds their knowledge that Mama and Daddy love God. They talk about Him a lot. You know, and so I thought, you know, maybe we could tell a story here to let the kids know. You know, look, this kid had a, had a horrible, what he thought was going to be a horrible day. But it ended up being his best day because the Lord moved on behalf of him and another. And he saw another person be saved. But it's that knowledge that he had. I mean, the, the scriptures that he was using in the story. I mean, like, this kid knew his stuff. You know, so kids, you know, they need to see your faith in action. Even Chip, he came to faith because of, because of uh, Muggsy's faith. He said, you are different. And so, so just recognize that kids are taking it all in. Even in a service like this, you know, if they're in here, can we just take a moment from the normal kind of preaching and the normal way I do things to tell a good story that they might like and to tell them a good story that maybe it'll prompt them tomorrow? Because, you know, Muggsy didn't want to go to that game, did he? You know, because he was afraid he'd fail. Now, how many kids in here are like crazy excited about going back to school tomorrow? All right, well, my two, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't have to do that, you know. But think about it, guys. What if, you know, you did like him and you said, you know what, Lord, I don't, I, I don't feel like it, you know, and I'm not ready for a whole other half of the year. But, Lord, help me to do it for your glory. Help me, Lord. Let me see, see you work mightily in my life, you know. That kind of, 
knowledge. You know, Muggsy knew those scriptures. You know, one of the verses he uses was, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, that's a good one to remember. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We come out of the womb of our moms needing Jesus. We were born into sin. And the only way to undo that disease of sin is through Jesus Christ. He says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, not even one. No matter how good you try to be or no matter how good you think you are, the Bible is very clear. There is no one righteous, not even one. Muggsy, he knew those scriptures and he knew how to apply it. What a great line. Nobody bats a thousand. And what a great analogy, the baseball, because like, if you can hit the ball and get on base one out of three times, a 33% of the time, you are an outstanding baseball player. I mean, you could you would be a great professional if you could bat 333 and just be, get on base one out of three times. You know, but... But like he said, God requires you to bat a thousand. But nobody bats a thousand. Oh yes, one batted a thousand. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus is the coach. He makes the rules. He wrote the book. It's this knowledge that, that begins to change us. So we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Now is the time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. These are all scriptures that he knew. And you know, so I love that. Today is the day. Don't put this off. This is urgent. Today is the day. And you know, I used to think that I needed to be saved because God could come back any moment and I would be left behind. Now, am I like the only teenager who kind of lived the way he wanted to, but I always had in the back of the mind that the rapture could come at any moment and I was going to be left behind because I wasn't living right. Did anybody else have that going on as a teenager? Well, bless y'all, and I'm so glad. In fact, I remember being at a concert with Scott. We were at ACDC at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium. I was so jacked, you know, but, but some thought right there, you know, with all the stuff that was going on, we were watching fights, and we were watching all kinds of stuff go on, and uh, I just remember, you know, just thinking, like, right there, it just hit me. Like, man, if the Lord comes back. I won't even know it. There ain't nobody in here going. You know, and I told that to Scott, and he's like, what is the matter with you, man? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, but then finally the lights went down, and the, the rocket came out of the stage, and Angus Young kicked off the door, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is rocking, you know. But, but still, I always had that going on, you know. That's why I thought that I needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because I needed to be saved should he come back. But I realize now it's because we have some growing to do. You know, this is a process, and I'm only talking about the knowledge part of this. You know, when you get saved, dig into this Word. Ask your parents what verses they know. You know, one of the first things I heard my mom when I asked her, I said, what's some scriptures that you know? She said, well, I know Psalm 23. I'm like, well, what's Psalm 23? And she said it. 
And just hearing her say the whole thing, I was first like amazed, like, wow, mama, like you're a preacher or something, you know? And then I just started thinking about it. I went and read it, and I found it for myself. I said, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever read. And I wanted to commit it to my memory. And that was one of the first things, other than John 3, 16 and Genesis 1, 1, you know, that I remember putting into my heart and memorizing, putting this, just make, just increasing my knowledge. So today is the day of salvation because, guys, we've got some growing to do, and it starts with knowledge. You know, Psalm 119 says, Thine heart, thy, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to get this word into our hearts. That's where it starts. Knowledge is the first part. Memorize scripture. Take a few. You know, in my last WMD, I said, pick five. You know, David picked five smooth stones to, to launch at Goliath in the fight. He only needed one. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you know, he kept saying, well, turn these stones to bread. Well, throw yourself off of this building because you can't be hurt. Bow to me and worship me and I'll give you everything. And every single time Jesus launched his counterattack with Scripture. He had the word hidden in his heart. And if he had to use it, we should use it as well. Memorize it. Knowledge is the first part of faith. The second part is belief. Through this knowledge, it begins to sink into your heart. You'll find some some verse, you know, like, like when I did Colossians 3.23 for the first time. You know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And I believed that. I believed that verse. And I, and I thought to myself, I don't do that. Lord, show me where to start. And he, told me, he taught me about going into my classroom and teaching for him, for nobody else. Do it with all your heart for God. It doesn't matter if any of those kids listen to you. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It just matters that you go in there and you do it for him. And I started applying this to my life. Yesterday I raked leaves for a couple hours in my yard. And I don't normally, I mean, I hate raking leaves, but I just went out there and started a nice conversation and said, Lord, this is your yard. And this is... You know, you, this is the task you've given me. And I ended up just having a wonderful conversation and time with the Lord. And, you know, the couple hours went by so quickly. And I prayed for so many people. And, and I, just, I just felt so good after I was finished. It's when this belief gets in your heart. Muggsy's friend Chip knew once he understood, this is what I need. I need Jesus. That knowledge led to belief. To me, this is the first beatitude in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You realize you are not getting to heaven without Jesus. That's poor in spirit. You have no spiritual currency or money that's going to get you to heaven. So... You need Him. You are poor in spirit. Receive Him. And then you have access to the kingdom of heaven. And I love how he said, how do you keep control? And, and, and Muggsy's answer was wonderful. He says, well, I'm sure I ought to do a lot better. 
But, well, you see, I'm a Christian, and having the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior makes all the difference. His knowledge and all the scriptures he knew became belief. It was inside of him. It was something that he knew he had to do. His spirit changed. The old things passed away and all things became new. He couldn't react like he knows everybody reacts. Well, you know, somebody gets on to you, well, you get on to them worse, right? Somebody pushes you, you hit them. You know, you win. If somebody starts it, you finish it. Can't tell you how many kids at school said, that's what my daddy told me to do. He said, if they started, I'm supposed to finish it. You know, I'm like, man, what, what great parenting there, you know. Total opposite of what this believes. You know, Muggsy knew. He said, I can't react like everybody else. And he did at first. He says, no, I'm not batting zero. No, I'm not batting zero, and I'm sorry I let y'all down. I mean, how are you going to get mad at a dude after he does that? Oh, come on, dude. Nobody bats a thousand. You know, just let us rag on you a little bit, all right? You know, I mean, his response was wonderful, but it came because that knowledge had gone into his heart, and this was now his belief. I must honor the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. And then the last part, and this always comes last, or at least it can last with me and just about everybody else I know, is trust. Always comes last. I will do life His way regardless of the cost or of my feelings. I trust Him. Muggsy prayed, dear Lord, I know this is only a ball game, but I am your child and I'm supposed to do everything for you and your glory. How can I, Lord? I always botch things up. I have to go now, Lord, but somehow I pray you will help me play well and somehow help it be for your glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I could call in sick. I could make some excuse, but I trust him. He gave me my job. He's given me all this wonderful stuff. Surely I can just go and honor him in my teaching, in my job. If you're a student, you may not want to go, but surely you can trust God and say, Lord, you made everything in this world work to where that I have to go to this school and listen to this teacher and learn this subject. You have to have a reason for it. I believe you have a reason for it. Help me to honor you in this classroom and help me to show other people you. And if you say, well, I don't want to do that, well, you have not made it to the trusting stage yet. Because life changes when you go in there and you do things for Him and for His glory, regardless of what you feel like of where, or whether you want to or not. That's what it means to trust Him. And if you know that you don't, it's okay. It just means you're at one of these other two stages. If you're sitting there saying, I don't trust the Lord like I need to trust Him, well, increase your knowledge. 
Learn scriptures. Ask your parents, what do you know that I need to know? Look on the internet, just best verses of scripture to memorize and see what pops up. And look at it and start getting this word in your heart because knowledge becomes belief. And through belief, you begin to live a life like you trust in the Lord. And when other people see that you trust in the Lord and that you are different, just like Chip in the story, they are going to want what you have. They're going to want that relationship with Him. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for just to have the chance to have these kids in here. Thank you for this wonderful story that somebody wrote. Thank you most of all, Lord, for giving your son, Lord, that through faith in him we are saved. And what a big deal, Lord. You're going to give us eternity in heaven, and you're going to give us access to the kingdom of God down here. That is amazing, Lord. Help us. Help every member at Lifeline Community Church, help every kid in here to really get it, to really learn to live for you. And may Lifeline Community Church make the biggest difference on this community, the surrounding area, Lord, because of our faith in you. Help us to see wonderful things as we live our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen.